You may be seated. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. I brought my little bandana. That's what I wear all the time in all these stores. I have a hard time with uh, this one because it pulls off the herring devices and my glasses. You know what I'm talking about. It's tough. But I, I just, it is so good to look out here and see church family. Not all of us are here, but praise the Lord, this time has come for us to make a begin, a beginning, a, a step. I know some may, I see across the, the land, across the landscape, many churches are opening now, and I, I praise the Lord for that. Once the yellow was lifted, uh, we were declared to be a an essential ingredient of our culture and our society, and I praise the Lord for that, especially in the state of Pennsylvania where, you know, we were looked down on as churches, and so everybody sort of stayed out and stayed back and stayed out of, the, out of our church buildings here. I know our staffing, we cut way back, and everyone was continued to be paid. Do you know it's been 12 weeks? 12 weeks. A lot of things has happened, and I, I know when you drove in, you probably saw some lawns being cut, and thank you, Kenny Morris, and, and others that has been, I know Rob Myers and, and Evan Jones that are really around here a lot, doing a lot of lawns. The other day, last few days of this past week, we see new stones being brought in, Joey Landscaping, and, and I know our staff here, uh, Bob Myers, many of the teens, a youth group got together and they were trimming and cutting trees and brushing out this and doing that and just sort of like a general spruce up, good stuff. You know, here we are back and so we, we're going to spruce up. All, everything in this sanctuary, all the chairs were put onto the sides and everything was uh, vacuumed, deep cleaned. Okay, so everything got done that way. Then the chairs all got spaced back into the spots where the, you find them today. I'm not sure. In fact, uh, this is good. The, the turnout here is very good, and maybe we're going to have to start having our two services. That'll be determined, and you'll, you'll get the message. But I just want to thank so many of you, the sound people that have been keeping things going, our, our music folks back here week after week. Yeah, you know. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of folks, a lot of individuals that really makes it happen, and just even the technology of streaming, just uh, what, a, what a blessing we've been. There have been there are a lot of churches that, that were confronted with this with no way of communicating other than Facebook and things. And I, I just praise the Lord uh, what he's doing. Our Celebrate Recovery, which is really a needed ministry because they really deal in the hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and especially in the times like this, Celebrate Recovery will be starting on, on Tuesday night, this Tuesday at 6.30. Our Bible study, we're almost done with, with uh, the book of Daniel, and so once we finish that, then that's when we're going to determine to rather, whether we want to regather again on Wednesday evenings, and we'll continue to stream that too. Uh, just a, a lot of things have changed uh, for our church family and uh, for myself. I know for you guys, uh, each of us, um, be in prayer, continue to pray for one another, pray for Judy Denman, especially this week. Uh, she's going to be having special surgery out in Pittsburgh. Uh, she has a brain tumor, and so uh, that God will, will just direct the surgeon, the staff out there, and, uh, and everything will turn out well. We've been praying for a lot of folks. I, I look down here, I see Sharon. You know, people, so many of us, so many of you have gone through a lot of hard times. 
I think of Jan Fritschke and Ed Schmidt and, you know, uh, Mike Messerschmidt. You know, all the various things that we have on our plates. And so be praying for these folks. Be praying for our church family. I don't know about you, but I want to say good morning and welcome back. Amen. There's something about being back in the house of God. This is the gathering. This is the time that the scripture is very clear to gather together. We are blessed in America because we have a form of government like no other government in this world. We're a blessed country. And we have the ability to speak out against our country or our president or our leaders or, or accept. And, 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 and we, we're, such, we're such a blessed people, America. And to, to gather together, it's, it's, it's basic constitution. We, it's in our, our rights to do that and to worship. And so it's just a, it's good to be back. And it's, good to, it's good to see so many. I brought the tears, uh, I don't know how many times this morning. It's good. We have no expectations of, of where we're going to be. And, you know, maybe 150 is here right now or, or so. And, and I tell you what, we are trying to sort of thread the needle through the various comments and various guidelines and the various statements that have been made by experts and officials. And, and so let me just say that, you know, we're, we're doing it this way. And I think it's wise. If you're sick, stay home, be cautious, okay? Be wise in your decisions. What works for you might not work for me, and that's fine. And, and so everyone has to weigh this out and, uh, and feel comfortable where you are. But there has to come a time for reopening, and today is that time. Uh, our C4 Kids Ministries and our, and our nursery ministry, we don't have that. And so consequently, I feel that there's probably a lot of families that are home in their pajamas, eating their bagels and uh, drinking their cup of coffee as the kids are running around or are still sleeping, and that's okay. Uh, these are unprecedented times. If you have your Bibles open, if you will, to the book of John, John chapter 14. John 14 is a, a, a passage of Scripture that is almost like John 3. It's a very common passage of Scripture. I uh, will have most of the verses on the overhead, but not all of them. But it's a common, it's a quite well-known passage of Scripture, and I think it really ties in for our first gathering together here uh, as a church family. Because we are living in those unprecedented times. Never, I have never experienced anything quite like what we are seeing today. The Lord Jesus, in fact, we're going to be going into lessons of Jesus. There's no one greater that we can learn from except the King of Kings, Jesus himself, the Lord of Lords. But in John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to give some thoughts as we break this apart in lessons from Jesus, and we're going to especially look at troubled hearts. My heart's troubled. I'm sure yours is. There's trouble at some times that we're living. All right, Jesus says these words in John 14, verse 1. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. 
You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. The prescription, the prescription for troubled hearts. We see this as we start to unpack this, the prescription for troubled hearts. The disciples were greatly troubled. There was a lot of things going on in their lives just as there was a lot of things going on in our lives today. Isn't it easy to become troubled? You know, in a very simple way or a very simple illustration, Kathy and I, we were able to get away for a week down the Outer Banks. And the Outer Banks was closed, and then they opened it, and only homeowners, even the homeowners could not even go into their own homes, that owned houses and properties down there. And so there was a fight between Currituck County and Dare County, and back and forth. It's in the courts even yet today. It's a mess. They don't want people from other states coming into our state and polluting our people and overcoming and overwhelming the medical hospitals and things down there. And so there was, a, there was a lot of problems, and so we had no idea. And ultimately, it happened. That, and this, we made reservations way long time ago. It wasn't the same house. But on our way down, we stopped at Dan's. He's about Dan Alley down in Delaware. He's about halfway down, and then we stopped on the way back. But one of the things I... That, that Kathy and I both noticed with, with their kids, little Jackson and, and Judah and little Emmy now, running around like a crazy girl. But, but when we're getting ready to leave, when we're starting to pack it up, we're sitting around eating a little breakfast and, you know, knowing that we're going to be either heading farther south and vacation land or going north back home, we see little Jackson sort of distancing himself, sort of ingrowing in. He, he was troubled. You don't want to see Nana and Poppy go. They, they you know, these little grandkids, they get to love you and, and you know, you interrelate and you have those relationships. But, but you can just see the trouble that just swells up in their little precious hearts. And I think, oh, Lord, the trouble that swells up in my heart. <laughs> the things that bothers me and, then, and, and you know, the, to lead them, to see those kids. And, you know, so I'm troubled. We're all troubled. And then you have life itself going on and, we live in troublesome times. And so the, the disciples, they were troubled because Jesus now, this is the, the very night that he was betrayed. This is the, the night he was arrested. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. The word troubled means to be agitated, to be disturbed or, or perplexed. Perplexed meaning no way out solutions. You can't really find a clear path. We don't know what to do which causes double-mindedness, causes confusion in our own minds and our hearts. Troubled means to be worried and tossed about and confused and distressed. So why were the hearts troubled? Well, in John 13, we start to read in verse 1, we see it's not on the overhead, but it says the time has come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. This, Jesus accomplished his mission and it's ready for him to finish this course of giving his life in payment for your sin and my sin. And, and so we see that there was a lot of going on. The disciples, they were all agitated. They were upset. They were perplexed. 
And Jesus in, in Matthew 26 was saying that he was going to be handed over and be crucified. You know, in the upper room, the disciples, they were divided. They were arguing one another. They were arguing. And so they were, you know, who's going to be the greatest in heaven? I'm not sure if we're following along in our outline here on your overhead, but so they were divided. And then Jesus spoke of betrayal. Jesus said, one of you are going to be betrayed. And, and, and here they are, the 12, in the upper room. It was a heavy time. And Jesus told them they were soon going to be separated, that he was going to go somewhere that they could not follow. John 13, 33. And then Jesus spoke of Peter. Peter, you're going to deny me even before the rooster crows in the morning. See, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, who knows everything. He knows everything about everything, and he knows what's in our hearts, our thinking. John 13, 38. So we see all these things coming into play, all these happenings around them, and, and then on top of it all, added into the whole mix is the unseen enemy. And the unseen enemy, we see that the devil and the Satan himself, that, that he was sifting Peter as wheat. See, Jesus knew. Jesus could see exactly into the spirit world. Jesus understood exactly what's going on. You and I don't. We live in the physical domain, the physical world. But Jesus knew behind the scenes there was a lot going on. And, and so we see a lot of references, uh, various verses here in the various Gospels about how he was really actively engaged in that, in that episode, in that whole upper room that night. And then we see he, was, he prompted Judas to go betray Jesus, and then we even read the words that Satan entered Judas' possession. See, understand the unseen enemy is real. Some of the things that we are witnessing today is from a direct result of the unseen enemy. We see a heightened experience in the, in, the, in the spiritual activity in the world. And Jesus knew that their hearts were troubled. Jesus knew that their hearts needed to be settled down. Their hearts need to, the, the, they needed to get a sense of peace because they were agitated. They desperately needed encouragement in a hopeless situation. They had no idea what to go or how to go or what to do. Now their leader in Jesus' ministry there of three years was, was, seemed like falling apart. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of some of the stuff that we're hearing and seeing all the time. The pandemic, we have to be careful because not everything you hear is true. You heard me in one of the first preaching messages I, I preached on the first time we were streaming here was speaking about that. The events today and the experiences that we are experiencing today, today are unprecedented. We're bombarded with TV reports and social media. It's all re reinforced with everything, every place where you go shopping and the things we do and News reports. I see the Jewish mourners up in New York City threatening to be arrested if they have a Jewish funeral for a loved one that died. My heart aches for the elderly in these nursing homes that 
passed away, their families could not even be there with them. Guys, these are troublesome times. Troublesome times. See, we're weighed down not only with all the cares and the burdens that we carry through life, but we are weighed down by this added ingredient. And what happens is the pressure starts to build. Hence the critical nature that it becomes that sometimes we can't handle it. We, we lose it. We ultimately could end up suicidal. It's sad things and bad things, but we see those rates of addictions going up and all across this land because of the troubled times that we're in. The burdens of money and bills and food and job security and the pressure builds and builds and builds and all of a sudden it's either going to explode or there has to be a relief valve. Something has to happen. But understand it all. Jesus, Jesus is teaching the disciples, yeah, that pressure is going to build and there's going to be hard times and all those troubles are going to happen. But understand, and then he starts to give us the prescription. So what is God's prescription? Jesus, what is your lesson for us today in 2020? You know, you see doctors writing prescriptions and, you know, we get the flu and they'll write a prescription antibiotic and bingo. And three days later, it, it's sort of the fever's gone. You start to feel better. But Jesus, what's your prescription for trouble? What's your prescription look like in the year 2020? I know this was written over 2,000 years ago, but you know, times have changed. Now we're modern. We're, you know, we got computers. We got the social media. We got the news telling us what to believe and how to think. Jesus, what's your prescription? And so Jesus starts to lay it out in those, those verses here. And then basically he says, trust in God, trust also in me. See, deliverance from our troubled hearts comes through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust in God, trust also in me. Many verses of Scripture, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I love it in debating the, the Pharisees and, you know, about Abraham. Father Abraham, you know, they lifted him so high and, and, and they placed him as a, the patriarch, which he was. But then... Jesus blew him away. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the self-existent one. I am the creator. I am, I am God in the flesh. You see me, you've seen the Father. Because I and the Father are one. That's what sets Christianity apart from all other religions in this world. And quite frankly, there are thousands of them. Do a Google search. And those thousands of religions says you live a good life or you, you, you give a lot of money or you say this, the, all these various prayers and penance and you're going to get to heaven. You're going to get to this utopia place. And Jesus said, you, gotta, you believe in God? That's wonderful. That's good. Believe also in me. And believing in Jesus today throws every, the monkey wrench into all the gears, doesn't it? Our culture says, no, you don't believe in Jesus. He was a charlatan. He was a lunatic. He was, he was a liar. You can't trust him. Uh, Jesus said, you believe in God. Believe also in me. See, it's, a, it, 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 it's believing in him. It's a personal trust in Jesus. Jesus says, I reveal God. You believe in me? I'm the son of God. 
And as you start to break this down into a, into a very easily digestible way, salvation is so simple. A child can believe with an innocent heart, a, a heart that is like, like, like a heart that is just trusting and believing. They hear about Jesus and they'll believe, they'll trust that they can be saved. So what's the process of this belief? We must, as a personal trust in Jesus, we must hear the truth of Jesus. We must hear the truth of Christ, of who he is. The truth of Jesus Christ is having a willingness to listen. That's where it all starts. A willingness to listen. A willingness to have our open heart. Rather than being closed-minded and rather than building a wall around our life, I don't believe that. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to hear it. There are some people right now watching. They're saying that in their hearts. It's having a willingness to listen. And I believe there are some watching right now that are doing that right now. They're listening. And it's hearing the truth about Christ. That God loves you. That he sent his son to sacrificially die in your place. He died in place of your sin. He took your sin because you and I could not do it. He paid the penalty. He was Killed and crucified, he was buried and he rose again the third day. And see, once we, we must hear the truth. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us no one can have faith. And this is saving faith. No one can have faith without hearing the message about Christ. See, truth comes into our lives. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. We hear about Jesus. We have to hear. How can they hear? Except that a preacher is sent. Except someone tells them about Christ. And so we must. That's where it all starts. This is true saving faith. This is personal trust in Jesus. We hear it. We have to hear it. It comes through the ear gates. It comes into our minds. The second sort of step of, it, of this, if we want to break it down, comes with a mental assent in agreeing to the truth of Christ. Once we hear the truth of Jesus, then mentally in our minds, we will either accept that truth or we reject it. We sort of like, sort of, sometimes we can play that middle ground. We really, eh, I don't really know what I believe. My friends, that's a dangerous spot to be. And sadly, many people today are in that position. And you know me long enough, I call that head knowledge. They have a head full of knowledge. They hear about Jesus they, they, they believe it in their, in, their, in their heads, in their minds. They think it. They know it. They assent to the truth of it. This is accurate. This is true. It's reliable. Yeah, I, 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 I really think that Jesus was a figure, a person that walked this earth. I really believe that he was a son of God. I really believe he, he walked on water. Well, that might be far back. But they really believe it in my head. And yet, with a head knowledge, you'll still miss heaven by 18 inches. From the head to the heart. And see, so many times people become religious and yet remain lost. They can say, quote scripture and, and say the Psalm 23 and, and they know scripture, but yet they're still dead in their sins. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, tells us do not conform any longer to the world, the patterns of this world. Don't let the world mold you into its pattern, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. So we start thinking 
the, 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 the center of everything is our thought process. So we start thinking. And so the very next step, once we agree to that, agree to the truth, and then the next step is committing life to follow in Christ. This is the point where we hear. This is the point where we really gather and understand in our minds. And then it brings us to that third step, which is critically important, that commitment to trust Jesus as Savior and as Lord. I, it's turning from our sin and turning to Christ. It's an absolute necessary step in our salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Lord lays it out. He tells us this, and Paul says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but notice, and you believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's committing your life to him. It's reaching that point of, 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 of you heard, you understand it, but you don't stay there as religious <laughs> person, but you take that next step of committing your life to following Christ, a disciple, a learner, and a follower of Christ. And so we see the prescription for a troubled heart, the healing for a troubled heart is a personal trust in Jesus Christ. And then we continue on as said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God or trust in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust also in me. And then Jesus says in verse 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. Often we hear the phrase mansions, and that, that's the translation from the King James. That's where mansions came about. The Bible, you know, realizes when we start to look about heaven, the Father's house, because that's what it's talking about, the Father's house. That's talking about heaven. And in Scripture, the Bible tells us and teaches us that there's three heavens. The, the first, yeah, three. <laughs> I know. The first heaven, the first heaven is when you go outside and you watch the birds fly around. And the, the air that we breathe, that's the first heaven. <laughs> that's the first one. The second heaven is the stellar heaven. That's where the sun and the moon is. That's where the stars shine at night. That's the second heaven. That's the out there in, you know, out there in, in outer space. You and I can't really survive out there. That's the second heaven. But the third heaven, the scripture is very clear. This is the very abode of Almighty God, the creator of all things, the everlasting, the everlasting one, the one who is from eternity past and he'll be eternity in the future. He's God. He's bigger than any of us. He's greater than any of us. His thoughts are beyond us. His, his ways are beyond us. And he's real. And this is his home. This is his abode. This is his mansion up there in heaven. This is his place that he dwells, his dwelling place. And so we see in Revelation 21.3 is a powerful verse. I'm not sure if I even have it the overhead. Let me read it. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne room of heaven. God's home is now with his people and he will live with them and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. And guess who his people are? Ah, you and me. 
Us Christians, can you imagine? Can you imagine someday to dwell in God's dwelling, or to dwell with God in his home, in his place, in his abode? That's what Jesus is saying. Oh, I know your hearts are heavy. I know your trouble. You believe in God. That's wonderful. But believe also in me, Jesus says. And then Jesus starts to unpack this because he said there's a promised hope. And that hope is in heaven. See, heaven is called by many names. Eternal kingdom, paradise. Remember, remember the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, into your heaven. What did Jesus say? Hanging on the cross to the thief. Today you will be with me. Where? That's a pretty cool place. It's another phrase for heaven. Abraham's bosom, kingdom of God, you know, kingdom of heaven. There are many, many phrases. Father's house, third heaven, highest heaven, heavenly city. There's a lot of phrases in the scripture. And the Hebrew word that God uses in scripture, and in fact, it means heights or elevation or high place. Every time in Scripture you read and teach and you see in the Scripture about heaven, it doesn't say, I'm going to go down to heaven. No, I'm going to go up to heaven. It's ascended. It's above. It's beyond us. It's out there. Hell is down there. Every time it talks about the bottomless pit down there. Did you know Jesus spoke twice as much about hell than he did about heaven in the Gospels? Understand that. The word heaven itself, the word heaven itself is found 276 times in New Testament alone. And Paul was caught up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. See, the reality of heaven is absolutely beyond understanding. It's huge. And there's many places, there's many rooms, there are many dwellings. In other words, there's many up there. Then there's not a it, it, it's not limited. Sometimes when we go on vacation or we travel somewhere, we really, all right, it's time to find a motel, you know. You know so you look for the hotel and you start to check out things, and now it's easy with, the, the, with your smartphones. But it used to be I had to drive there to it, and all of a sudden, no vacancies. <laughs> Heaven, there's vacancies. It's open. And the, the, the vacancy sign says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the, that's the vacancy. And it's open to everybody. Drink of this water of life freely. I'm giving it to everybody. Jesus says that drink and enjoy. And so we see it never run out of space. I don't know about you, but my, my garage seems to run out of space very easily. The other day I came home and Guess who was in the garage doing her little duty? God love you, Kathy. She had all this cleaned up, and it looked so nice. And, and she said, now, you get on your side. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done it yet. All my tools are laying over there. But anyway, you see, there's many dwellings. And the sense in the Greek is, is, is not building a mansion over here. And I know I tell those jokes sometimes about a mansion and the preacher got up there and the taxi cab driver. I won't, I won't bore you with that joke again. I love it. But I have used it probably five times in my life, and that's too many times probably. Yeah. 
But the sense in the, in the, in the word of God is God keeps, when Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you, it's additional rooms. It's, 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 it's sort of like additions onto God's house, okay? In other words, it's big. It's going to be big, and you're going to see that it's not a whole bunch of separate places. And, and heaven, is, heaven is absolutely phenomenal. The reality of heaven is beyond our ability as a finite person to understand and to, and to really describe 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, God tells us this. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love Him? God says that heaven is real. Heaven is real. And heaven not only is real, but heaven is incredible in its size. In Revelation 21 and 22, you read about that really, there's a lot of other places, Old Testament, New Testament, it speaks of heaven. But it's enormous in size. 1,500 miles, it's like going from here to Dallas, Texas. And then from Dallas, Texas, way up into Canada, then way back across, then way back down to a big square. Two-thirds of the United States would be covered by this heavenly city, New Jerusalem. But not only is it 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles high. Can you imagine the, the, the space station is up there orbiting the earth and the beautiful views from that space station? It's only 200 miles above the earth. Can you imagine being 1,500 miles above the earth and seeing what the views are like? Especially when the Lord tells us he's going to create new heavens and new earth. Wow. It's beyond understanding you know, if you, if you do the math, 1,500 miles, that's, if you do 20 feet between floors, that's, that's almost 400,000 story high building. <laughs> it's big. And they believe it's be a cube, not a pyramid. A cube will work out to the dimensions. And because even, the, even God's temple was a perfect cube, 20 cubit by 20 cubit by 20 cubit. And so we see that it's going to be huge. And in fact, it's estimated that if only 25% of the was used, this, this huge size was used, it would still accommodate 20 billion people very easily. See, heaven is a special place for God's own children who are adopted into his family. The moment we believe, our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Heaven is spectacular in beauty. Streets of transparent gold. The river of life, the tree of life, the great street that comes out. I, I can't imagine what it must be looked like. Uh, the pearls and all these stones, the foundations. It's just absolutely phenomenal. No need for light because there's no shadows in heaven. Because, uh, you know, you look in our closets now and it, there's a shadow in there. You have to get a flashlight to look in a little deeper to find what shoes you want if you don't have a light in there. And I, You know, there are no shadows in heaven. Everything is brilliant. Everything is bright because the Lord Jesus is right there. Spectacular beauty. The throne of God and the Lamb all in the holy city. The angelic beings. Oh, guys, we have not seen or conceived or even entered our thoughts and our minds of the glory. You disciples, I'm going away. I know it's tough. I know you're agitated. I know you're worried. I know you're troubled. 
You're fighting the COVID-19. You're fighting the terrorists and, the, and, and all the riots and all the stuff going on. It's confusing. And what is happening? Huh. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Trust me. Believe in me. And understand that there's a hope, a future hope, a eternity that's going to be in heaven forever and ever. But heaven is a place a spectacular size and beauty, but also a place of no more. There's no more tears, no more, no more pain, no more cancers up there, no hospitals or doctors. There's no lawyers up there, no one to sue. That's a good thing. <laughs> no more sorrow, no more temptations, no more sin, no viruses. No chaos. There'll be no separation. There's not, not even going to be any more death. Guys, how hard is it when you lose a loved one? It hurts. The pain's real. We lose our loved ones, and there's a separation. None of us like it. But as believers in Jesus Christ, the Scripture tells us as a Christian, absent, from the body, present with the Lord. We have a hope. As Christians, we know the moment we draw our last breath, we're there. It's like, you're, you, you, like a blink of a flash of the eye, like a blink in your eyes. That's what death is, a portal to, to get us into this realm of glory. Can't imagine to open your eyes and shut your eyes and open and here you are. Wow, beyond understanding, a place of no mores. And one of the things that you and I will see as Christians when we step into glory, we're going to see our Lord Jesus. And we're going to see Jesus in all of his glory and splendor and majesty and holiness and power. And I think if we look a little bit closer, we're going to see as he stands there, or as he stands Right there talking to you. You're going to notice his hands. Those nail prints are going to still be there. You're going to see it. And you're going to start to realize that I am there because of him. And solely because of him. I'm not there because I've joined this church. Or I was baptized as a baby. Or, or anything good that I've done. I'm there because of Jesus. That's why we fall in love with him. That's why we talk about him. First John tells us in chapter 3, 1 John 3 says, I'm not sure if you can see this, but I think you maybe could. Look at these words. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Study that lavish out. Just pour it out on us. That we should be called what? Children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know, here's what we know, that when he appears, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself even as he is pure. 
Jesus is coming again. Waiting for the trumpet call. That could be this afternoon, maybe. It's soon. You hear me keep telling you, and Kathy, I know she got in the hot water around our house. She bought some green bananas. The greenest bananas I saw Mountain Fresh ever had. I think they just come off the tree. They were green as green as green. They're still green. It's been a week. <laughs> Jesus is coming. <laughs> Don't buy them because we'll have time to ripen. The promise of heaven, the hope of heaven, worshiping God, enjoying the wonders of heaven throughout eternity, the reunion of our lost loved ones that were Christians, that believers will be there, recounting the grace and the glory of Almighty God. I always say when we get there, we're going to look around and we're going to be absolutely amazed, amazed at who's there. <laughs> and we're going to be looking around and be absolutely amazed of who's not there. And we're going to look around and be absolutely amazed that I'm there. Oh, thank God. It's Jesus. There's something about that name. There's no other name. It's Jesus. See, you and I will never, ever cease to exist. You're eternal beings created in the image of God. You're going to live forever, either up there or down there. You want to go up there? Jesus. Only Jesus. Jesus said, here's the prescription for trouble. You put your personal trust in Jesus. And begin living the promised hope of heaven, of eternal life. Because I'm preparing a place for you. You see it. This is lessons from Jesus. He's prepared place for you. You see how I go through all the gyrations of prepared and promised and everything. All the P words here. And, but anyway, you know, that's, you have to humor me sometimes. <laughs> see, it all comes down. It all comes down to you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Why are you? You have a special spot in God Almighty's heart. And if I go and prepare a place for, there it is again, you. And don't miss this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, Jesus is saying. This is hours before he was arrested. I will come back and take, there it is again, you to be with me. And here it is again, that you also may be where I am. And here it is again. You know the way to the place where I'm going. See, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. The reality of it all. The reality of it. This is truth in the midst of fuzzy logic that we are living. Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid to take that last breath of where you will end up for all of eternity? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to this place? See, it's prepared for you. The Lord tells us you five times here in these couple verses. He has his heart set on you. He came to this earth for you. He taught truth for you. He went to a cross. He was hated and despised because of you, and he died for you. 
When I say you, it's me. It's for the whole world. See, you are important to God. And God has a beautiful plan for you. And Jesus is preparing a place for you. Believer, receive him. Invite him into your life. Because God loves you enough to die for you. And when you trust him, you become a citizen of heaven. New citizenship. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. A lot of things goes on. Your sins was taken off of you and placed upon Jesus, the sin bearer at Calvary. He took our sins. But you got to invite him into your life. It's that commitment. That's a part of it that's so important that we saw earlier. Worship and serving Christ forever. And thanksgiving and all the wonder and splendor. And I'll say this, without building a lot into it, heaven will be the most non-boring place you ever want to be. He creates brand new heavens and new, brand new earth. I believe that when he creates us, wherein dwelleth righteousness. We'll be growing forever intellectually, exploring worlds and creatures and kingdoms unknown to us now. Jesus gives us lessons. We cannot even imagine what it'll be like. But this mortal must put on immortality. The perishable in the graves must put on new bodies, imperishable. And during this heavy night of darkness, Thomas, remember, don't you love Thomas? Oh, I don't I believe you. I don't know if I'm going to believe you, Jesus. Remember, Jesus finally appeared after his resurrection. He pulls back his shirt. He says, stop doubting, Thomas. And believe. Thrust your hands into my side, Thomas. Thomas. Oh, can you imagine? He finally got it. My Lord. My God. It was a heavy night. They were troubled bad. And Jesus answered, Thomas says, how can we know the way to this place that you're talking about, Jesus? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is saying, the way to the Father's house, the way to heaven is Jesus, through me. And through me, through Jesus, this is the true way, truth. And this is life. And I encourage you, if you never trusted Jesus, never invited him into your life, start living. Start to experience the life of Christ in you. The way is a person. The way is Jesus. See, we hear the truth. We have that mental assent to the truth. We believe it in our heads. We get that head knowledge. It's a personal commitment to believe in our hearts. And our life becomes changed by Christ. That decision that we make for Jesus affects our eternal destiny forever. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. Thank you, Father, for making a way when there was absolutely no other way except through your Son. Lord Jesus, thank you for becoming willingly obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
in payment for our sins. Father, thank you for regathering today. Thank you even for this opportunity to share your word and in troublesome times. Father, we are so much to be thankful for. And Lord, if there's any that's listening by home or even here in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that today they will get and believe in Jesus and make sure he's down in our hearts. Father, we, we thank you that all we need to do is pray upon, call upon the name of the Lord and we'll be saved. Just say, just say this and right from wherever you are, just from your heart, just say thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And right now I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Make me a new creature in Christ. Let me walk in truth and experience that life abundant and life eternal that you speak about. Father, we thank you for those who will call upon your name today. We thank you, Father, for the believers that are here. And someday, as we gather together now, after 12 weeks of being in homes and watching by streaming, that, Father, someday we will gather together in glory. It'll be just absolutely wonderful and beautiful forever. No more pain or darkness or sin or wickedness or devil. Everything will be all new. And we thank you, Father, that the hope that we have in you is real. So, Father, we pray for the believers here, too, that they, each of us, Lord, will draw closer to yourself, realizing that the time is short. Father, teach us to depend on you in prayer and your word. And we thank you. Thank you, Father, that you might be with this country bring healing across this land. Father, there's a lot of things we scratch our heads about. A lot of things we don't understand. But Father, we thank you that you're sovereign and you're in control. Teach us to trust you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together, please.